It's finally here, Figgy. Opening day is just a few days away as the Mets take their talents to South Beach and we get this season started. And Darren Ruff won't be a part of it. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Mr. Ruff. We got a fun season of the pot ahead and a fun season of Mets baseball ahead. We're going to preview all the roster moves and see if there's some other decisions that can be made to enhance this team. That and a whole lot more coming up. We make our predictions for the season. Will the Mets win the World Series? We'll also talk with the new radio voice of the Mets on WCBS. That's Keith Rad. It's all coming up next on a season preview edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yo, Mets take the field. So amazing, amazing but true. Orange and blue, so amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks, it's out of here. We got you. Do you believe it? Do you believe in miracles? Yes. So don't sit here and call out the players who are busting their ass trying to win games. They no, teased they, us. They teased themselves. They're teasing us. They didn't tease they you. Sweet. No, look at my brass cojones because I throw the ball. You like that, Spanish Academy? You can't talk the talk and not walk the walk and then expect everybody to be okay with it. That's all. I've done enough scoreboard watching. The only scoreboard that matters is the one that's in front of our face. Next week is probably going to be an intervention. So let's talk about it next on Amazing But True. Ooh, welcome. It's a season preview edition of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I am Jake Brown, as they call me, rabid Mets fan on the New York Post website. And my co-host is former Mets pitcher, Emmy Award winner, and Law Island Ducks pitching coach, Nelson Figueroa. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy NY. Follow the pod at Amazing But True and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, everyone. A new season is here. We'll start the twice a week. We'll do a short one after the opener Thursday. And then after that, next Thursday, Figgy is booked. Andy Chavez, former Mets outfielder, will join us at Catch Astoria after the game. Come through. You know, Astoria is a 15-minute ride from City Field. Might be a little traffic, but we'll wait for you all to get there. 530 to 6 range. We'll get started. We'll set up at 530. Come say hello to us and to Andy. Make your way over like we will from the game, and we'll see you at Catch Astoria. Make sure it's K-A-T-C-H, and make sure you do Astoria, or you'll end up at the one and eating steak in the city and and create high-priced food in New York City. So come on down. You see what we did there with Catch Astoria and N.D. Chavez? Wow. Wow. We did it on purpose. You'll never know. You'll never know. The Catch, the K-A-T-C-H. Well, Figgy, the season starts Thursday in Miami. Mets, Marlins, 4 o'clock. The Mets play the Marlins for 4. They won't have the Thursday and then the off day like the Mets will have when they return home, you know, for the home opener, the, the Friday off. Then the Brewers, they'll have the Brewers home opener, and then City Field for the opener where Verlander will make his Mets home debut for the home opener. Love that they set it up that way and smart that they did that way, Figgy. So Cody Sanka's first start isn't on that huge stage 
of the home opener. Instead, he'll get City Field replica day instead on uh, on the Saturday or pitch the day before. However, Buck ends up working it out. Well, Figgy, we're here. The big roster decision was made. And cue the Hava Nagila. Darren Ruff is gone. He's been DFA'd. He is off the roster. Hey, now listen. Darren Ruff was a trade gone wrong, Figgy. You traded four prospects to get him. He mashed lefties, everyone said. His average versus lefties was good, even though it was like 252. He was a masher of lefties. Instead, he left us Mets fans mashing our head into the nearest wall, into the nearest brick wall. We weren't running through it in excitement. We were banging our head against the brick wall, having to watch a guy who hit no homers, 74 at-bats, no homers, went five for 30 in spring. They said he had arthritis. Mets fans had arthritis from tweeting about how bad he was, and trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers. He was DFA. Tim LaCastro, pinch runner, gets the final roster spot. Mets fans can breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief here instead of me having to rant about it. There's two sides of this. One, you feel bad for Ruff. You know, he only got six, seven weeks here. He would have got booed off the field in the home opener. It didn't get a huge chance. But in the end, he wasn't, you know what he is. He's a guy who could maybe mash lefties, but he's not that good. The decision really was going with LaCastro over uh, Vientos or Brett Beatty. They went with the pinch runner. We'll see one of those young guys soon. When Joel Sherman broke the news Monday morning, they breathed a sigh of relief that Darren Ross was DFA. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. Uh, It it was a trade that never worked out. And you said four prospects. It was actually three prospects. And J.D. Davis. That's right. Yes. J.D. Davis, who was a pretty good master of lefties himself. So if that's all you wanted was a master of lefties, you had that already in a J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis just didn't get enough reps or uh, enough playing time to, you know, materialize because, you know, you had Escobar. So, yeah, the trade was a disaster. It never worked out. He didn't fit. He just never pulled his weight. Um, No pun intended, but. He uh, looks like he's probably going to wind up going to Philadelphia to, you know, be a Hoskins probably replacement. Uh, I think that's where he's a better fit. And he'll probably hit his first homer and he'll do it against the Mets because that's the kind of luck we'll have. He'll be he'll be in the all star. He'll be a right in on the all star (laughs) roster for whatever reason, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it didn't work out. The kudos to the Mets for moving on. Uh, roster construction being what it is. You don't have Vientos or Beatty. You know, you want to continue their development, let them get the reps that they deserve by starting and playing every day. And you have somebody in La Castro who can come off the bench, you know, play outfield positions, also can uh, pinch run. You need that speed element. That's a very important thing for this team. So roster construction uh, being what it is, you don't just keep guys around just to keep them around. You have Tommy Pham who can hit from the right side. And it's well against lefties as well. So those things all added up to bye-bye rough. And uh, we said it when the Mets started making all these big moves and getting all these bigger names and locking up guys, you know, this team's not going to sit around and wait and see if a guy can, you know, uh, materialize to be the player that he was. They're ready to move on and they did it very quickly. Yeah. And listen, Tommy Pham isn't a bum. I think a lot of Mets fans are like uh, Tommy Pham, the guy who slapped or punched whoever he did over Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson over what is a fantasy football, uh, a fantasy football thing. I mean, he's not a complete bum. Tommy Pham is a guy who one can steal bases. And when we talk about Tim LaCastro stealing bases, the Mets factored in here that there will be bigger bases and there's going to be more stolen bases. There's going to be no shifts. So you're going to see guys. The new shift is going to be a guy stealing a base 
and the second baseman or shortstop having to get to the base, and then you hit it through the hole where they ain't, just like they did. Old baseball. It's like old baseball again. (laughs) It's like old Gretchen from 1947 watching, you know, Babe Ruth is going to be enjoying the old game again. The old skipper playing bingo and watching baseball, baby, at the old person's home. I love it. America's national pastime is back. Tommy Pham is a guy, you know, 2022, 17 and 63, 2021, 15 and 49, 2019, 21 and 68, 2018, 21 and 63. So this is a guy who homers, he drives and runs, and he gets on base almost a third of the, you know, almost 33% of the time. So, you know, his career OVP is 354. So this is not a total bum in Tommy Pham as your fourth outfielder. And we were all worried about Brandon Nimmo. He looks good to go. I mean, how about that? Week to week became day to day and the normal Mets week to week. Yeah, pray to, you know, Chick-fil-A's closed on Sundays. Brandon Nimmo's at church on Sundays praying. And we pray that he'd be okay. And we pray to our good Lord that he would be here and he will be there for the opener. This is basically the lineup. It's Nimmo up top, center field. Batting second, right fielder. He is sexy, folks. Starling Marte. Batting third. Blue hair on a bobblehead. He is the most expensive player in the franchise, but also a great guy. Francisco Lindor. Clean up. We await for his new contract one day. Pete Alonzo at first. Fifth will likely be Jeff McNeil playing second base. Sixth will be Mark Hanna playing left. Seventh, Daniel Vogelback is your DH. Eighth, Eduardo Escobar is your switch hitter playing third. And the ninth, Omar Narvaez will probably play against righties as catcher. And I expect Tomas Nito likely against lefties. Your bench, Luis Guillorme, back up at third, back up at second, back up at short. You got Tommy Pham, who will be your backup outfielder. And then you have Tim Locastro, backup outfielder. Backup first baseman, Vogelback. So now the great debate here, thinking. I think we all agree Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, one of the two or both, earned a spot in the opening game roster. If you want to go by spring stats, I'm not someone who's huge on that, but if you want to say prove yourself in the spring to get on the final roster spot, I think Mets fans would have pulled their hair out, me my non-existent hair, if it was Darren Ruff over Beatty and Vientos. Instead, it's over it's LeCastro, who you can argue, late-game pinch hitter, you know, defensive replacement, you know, a guy who does something for the team in late innings that can help you win ball games. You'd rather that than a rough who you know you haven't. But I think it would have been really cool for Mets fans here, Figgy, that home opener to you welcome Brett Beatty. And maybe in a week it happens. Maybe there's an injury. Hopefully not. Something happens. Again, they're like, oh, oh the, the mush god. Stop. Hey, stop talking. <laughs> but it would have been a cool moment for especially Beatty who, you know, 11 games, you saw some power, you saw a smooth swing, and then the thumb injury got the best of him. It would have been cool for him to be there in front of the fans on the home opener. Vientos against lefties, you know, with Vogelback not being able to hit lefties. That would have been an interesting option. The Mets went the route of, like you said, get them reps, you know, in the minors, and then maybe they're up by Cinco de Mayo or whenever it is. Maybe it's late April. Maybe it's sometime in May. These guys will be here. I think Mets fans got to remember, this season is long. We know injuries well. I hate to be mush, but it's just a fact. It's not even me mushing. The Mets are known to be hurt. Guys get hurt. These guys will be here sooner rather than later, but I could understand the frustration that you don't get to see one of these young guys to open what could be a championship season. Yeah, you're looking across town and you see all the excitement with uh, Volpe making the Yankees as their opening day shortstop, right? Volpe day. 
of opening day. Uh, a tremendous story for them. And it, it, it's something that Yankee fans wanted. They wanted the youth. They wanted the enthusiasm. They wanted the the young player who maybe will help change up, you know, what their lineup looks like for the Mets. It's different, right? You have all those players in place. You have guys who hit to contact. You have guys who can run, you have speed. So you have all those things already. Um, when it comes to those, uh, to Beatty and Vientos, Vientos has more experience at the upper levels and, you know, has mashed for the last three years at the AAA level. Um, should have more of an opportunity as a right-handed pinch hitter if, say, Tommy Pham doesn't work out. But you're going to go with Tommy Pham first. On Beatty's behalf, you know, he doesn't have a lot of upper-level seasoning. He came up and, you know, it was a, way before he w- should have come up. But at the end of it, you're looking for... Uh, a complete prospect, a, a guy that's not overwhelmed by being in the major leagues, a guy who, you know, yes, he, he comes off the injury and that's what you're looking. He looked really good in spring training and you wanted to have him win a job. He did everything that he could possibly do. It just wasn't going to be his time unless there was an injury where he just slid right in. If there was an injury to Escobar. It's a no brainer. He's going to be your third baseman and he's your third baseman in the future. Remember, Escobar is here for one more year this season. So if Escobar starts out a little bit slow, like he did last year, it's quite possible that they just cut ties as well. You know, this is a new new Met regime. They're not afraid to, to, like I always say, buy six nuggets and throw three out the window. They got that kind of cash. So if it's going to make the team better, then we'll see if that is a possibility when it comes to Beatty and when he's going to make his 2023 debut. Don't get me all excited talking about nuggets here. You don't want to get me. A, I had some after Billy Joel last night. Me and Hearts had a podcast night out at, at the legendary Billy Joel at the Garden. The Mets here... You got to remember, fans want to like write off Eduardo. Es- Escobar was a huge reason they had, you know, moments in September and he was hot. And I think we all love him with his, you know, his, the video spring training we saw, everything we saw about it. The guy, Eduardo Escobar, this guy could hit a bit. I know he's not the best defensively and he started off bad last year, but everyone wanted to be like Brett Beatty, everyday third baseman. Let's not write off Eduardo Escobar like he's nothing. He's a very good player. And I want to see Escobar at third. The you know you want to see these guys play defense too, and Beatty improved a bit defensively. Still some question marks, but like remember that Eduardo Escobar is a great major league player, and I expect production out of him. So the decision is not going. It was going to kill you with Ralph Lacaster. Is not going to kill you on a final roster spot and a very 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 part time role. Is not going to make or break the Mets season. Ruff would have frustrated fans. I still don't think if they kept Ruff for a couple of weeks, you know the Mets aren't winning the division. But as we know, the Mets finished in a tie with the Braves. So every game does end up being important because that tie, that difference could have been, you don't know, play in that wild card series. Maybe the Mets' October fortunes change. You don't run into a, a hot San Diego team. Maybe everything changes. So one game could make a difference. And, you know, LaCastro is going to be interesting. This team has got to steal bases this year. With the banning of the shift, Figgy, with these bigger bases, with the pitch clock, with the limits on how how many times you could throw, with all these new rules, with the Castro, I want to see Nimmo run. Marte, if he's okay, he's got to be running. He's got speed. If his groin, everything, all is good, and he can run, do it. I don't want him in the lineup, you know, just for his bat. I want to see his speed. Lindor, I mean, the top three guys should be stealing bases. When LeCastro comes in, he should be stealing bases. That gives you Escobar will sometimes steal a base. You have four to five players that you should be getting stolen bases from. And I like to see the Mets play a lot more small ball. Small ball and the new rules. Talk about how the new rules, Figgy, will affect the Mets. Because we've heard both sides of the story. Scherzer, Scherzer loves it. Now Scherzer's backing off a little bit, saying umpires should 
control the pitch clock. They shouldn't have it there. He's getting distracted by that thing. You know, we were at the stadium the other day. You see it. It's right there. They got like the DraftKings ad, and then they got the pitch clock. So you're thinking about, all right, am I betting on the over-under strikeouts, or am I watching the pitch clock? That's right there. It's a bit distracting. Corner of your eye, it's right there. You're looking at the clock. You're trying to figure out the pitch. You're figuring out who's at the plate. You're figuring out what you want to throw. It's getting it's distracting for these guys. So talk about the new rules and, you know, how they're going to impact the Mets. Yeah, you know, like basketball with the shot clock and in college basketball, especially, you hear the crowd kind of misrepresenting the time that's left, right? They're counting down five, four, three, two, and the guy's ready to shoot because he doesn't want to look at the clock. He's looking at the defender that's in front of him. He's looking at, you know, trying to run the play, and all of a sudden he hears a countdown. Like, oh, my God, I got to get this shot off. So that's one of those little tricks that, you know, that's been done in college. I don't like the idea of that being even a possibility in baseball. And here you're going to sit here and you're worried about the pitch clock. You're worried about the resetting of the pitch clock. It's like football, right? Please reset the clock to whatever. Oh, we got more time. It, it's baseball's never been a game that's played because of time. It, it's it's a game that's played without time, without it. And, and, and over time it's, it's, it's played until there is a winner. There's no ties in baseball. You don't want that kind of feeling uh, a clock dictating the action. So you're saying it's interesting for playoffs that Mets fans are going to be doing the countdown instead of Darvish. They're going to be three, two, one, and it's already over. Like he already ran out. There's going to be box and, and balls left and right. Uh, yeah, there's any, anything could possibly happen because you don't know, especially a kid coming up, you know, people are going to be nervous about this pitch clock. That's another element. Oh, how many times did I throw over? It was twice. And now I got I can't throw over again unless I pick them off. There's, uh, there's so many little things that are happening all at once. I think if you introduce these things, you know, little by little one you know hey you're banning the shift that's one that's a huge element because now left-handed hitters are actually going to be able to hit a little bit more uh left-handed hitters were getting killed and you know guys like curtis granderson guys like um, even lucas duda their careers uh, essentially were derailed you know lucas duda was only 30 maybe 31 years old you know he had hit 30 home runs in the last two out of three seasons that he played and then it was like oh my god there's a shift where five people are playing on the right side they don't even have a left fielder everybody's shifting over and he all he would do is hit right into the shift what used to be based hits into right field there's a second baseman playing short right field and pick it up and throw him out at first so now you're going to see more uh 300 hitters um, you'll see more action on that right side. So guys running from first to third, the bigger bases where everything is now down to a millimeter, you know, on these replays. And you're going back to do a replay when it used to be a uh, man. It was a close play. The umpire said safe. He's safe. Oh, well, let's watch it again on that instant replay with the bigger bases. That's three inches on each base. That, that, that's a little bit wider. You're going to have six inches. So that's a half a foot. Half a foot makes a huge difference in a play rather than it just being the three inches of the base that you're going to. So remember that when it comes to these runners and it comes to being a little bit more aggressive and the, the best part is that Vogelback uh, commercial with Buck Showalter. It's awesome where he's thinking, haven't had a stolen base in seven years. And he goes, I hope he doesn't think he's st about stealing. You know, oh yeah, he's thinking about it with the bigger bases. You know, it's a possibility. Anything is possible, especially with now with the pickoffs and limiting. Nobody's picking off on Daniel Vogelbeck, you know, but it's going to be a bigger lead. I I don't think it's out of the realm for him, you know, a, a, a once a month or like every two weeks. You get paid, Vogelback steals a base. You get a stolen base every two weeks. If he's going to get a big enough lead, take off. Yeah. Put that I mean, in your DraftKings, right? Bro, he's, uh, you know, plus 8,000, one Vogelback stolen base. You'll pay a mortgage. No, so I, 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 I like some of the new rules. I just think it's a lot thrown in all together. The game feels rushed to me. 
And, and that's not a feeling you should have when you're out there, you know, trying to get out major league hitters is that you should feel rushed. You should feel. So when the, these mega stars who they make a living out of upsetting people's timing and holding the ball a little longer or quick pitching or do So Scherzer loved it in the beginning. Remember that first outing that he had, he was like, Oh, it's fun. You know, they're, they're looking at the clock. I'm trying to rush them. I'm holding the ball a little bit longer. Then I throw it. So there's all that stuff. And then what happened the next outing nine runs he gave up, you know, even though they weren't earned, but it was an absolute fiasco because of the pitch clock. There was, you know, he got, he got called for a balk twice all those different things that could possibly happen. That to me is the, uh, a, a disaster for baseball. And the players themselves, you know, they don't want to go on record as saying this thing stinks, but you can tell the uneasiness on the questions of it. They, they don't want to do exactly. They don't want to really uh, adhere to it. They wanted it to be adjusted and maybe give a little bit more time. Like they were talking about, if you're the uh, center fielder and you make a catch all the way at the wall, now you got to run in and you hurry up to, for your at bat. You got to come in a dead sprint. And that's a, a, another factor where the umpire should have some discretion of giving him a little bit more time before the clock starts. So I think there's some growing pains with it. We'll see some of that early on when these games actually count. Spring training, yeah, everybody loves it. Oh, my God, it's a half hour less of a game. You know what? That's also a half hour less of concession sales, uh, food and beverage. Um, you know, It'll suck when you're at the game. On TV, it'll be better. But like you said, like it's concerning that mentally these guys are thinking about 10 things at once now. And it could affect the performance. I mean, we'll we'll find out as the season goes on. And let's just hope we don't have an end of the game violation that well, you know, it's like the it's like the Armando Benitez when he was on the Giants, the walk off balk against the Mets. Like that might be a pitchcock violation, or like he stepped off three times, boom, violation, ball four, take your base, game over. You know, it's gonna be interesting in the box score. Walk off, pitch clock, violation, walk. Like I don't even know how they're gonna word it. Good luck scoring. If you if you're one of the people who scores games, good luck. All right. So the good I think here we agree is the Mets rotation. Scherzer, Verlander, Sanga, Carrasco, and it will be David Peterson. So big drip is starting the season in triple A. Won't even be part of the bullpen. Interesting move. Didn't have a great spring. So the Mets are instead going to go with some unknowns and John Curtis and Steven Nagasek and potentially Dennis Santana. You know, Tommy Hunter, our guy, makes the team good for him. 16 years, had a good spring, excited for him. But that middle relief is going to be a big question mark of this team, getting the ball to Ottavino and Robertson. Because even Drew Smith, I don't really full, fully trust Drew Smith in big spots. He's going to get a lot of big spots in the seventh inning. Two outs, needs to get an out. Drew Smith is going to have a huge role this year. We'll see if he's ready for it. Brooks Raley, he's going to think it right. He's out, too. He can't just be the lefty guy. He's going to have to be a seventh-inning guy because his numbers were great last year. All right, Figgy, let's make some predictions for the season. I'll hand it off to you first. Who wins the NL East? How many wins will the Mets have? And how far do they go this year? Not to rain on anyone's parade, but the the dynamic of the team is definitely different without Diaz. Diaz is that for sure closer who you knew what you were getting. Um, games were going to end when he came in and the trumpets played, right? That's a huge factor. I mean, I, I bumped them down a bunch of wins because of that. Um, a bunch? You know, wow. A bunch. I, I think there's going to be more. You think there's going to be less than five blown saves because of it? There'll be, yeah, five plus. I'd set the over. Well, one, so remember we talked about this when you were like, Diaz is terrible. He had five blown saves. I go, that's less than once a month. And you're like, um, yeah, that's right. So is that really terrible? No. But at the same time, when you're expecting five more wins at the end of a season, that's the difference between a 95-win team and a 90-win team. 
Will they be a 90-win team? Of course. I, I, I know they'll be a 90-win team. Are they going to win the division? Ah, oh, man. Injuries are biting everybody in the in the butt to start out the season. Winning 95 games is going to be tough, but I do think that this division is so good that there's going to be three teams making it from this division, like last year. Do I need them to win the division? No. Is it, would it be nice? Sure. But I, everything that we're seeing in baseball, uh, and especially in recent years, is you don't have to be that number one team because it takes a lot out of you to be that number one team for 162 games. Uh, you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden you got a team who just clicked on all cylinders like the Phillies, like the Padres, um, and they're running the, the table come playoff time. So I think they're built to go into the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs, and especially if they're able to somehow get Diaz back um, towards the end there. So I, I look at them to be somewhere between 90 and 95 wins, which is going to be probably good for second in the division and make the playoffs. And we'll see where they go from there. All right. So you're not going to give a cut in stone World Series NLCS. I'm going to say 98 wins. The Mets have a few off. I just feel like with the shift and the rule change, I think it benefits the Mets enough. Yes, losing Diaz sucks. I do think at some point if their bullpen is struggling – they'll go out and trade, and that might involve trading Vientos or trading someone because this should be an all-in year. Even without Diaz, I think the Mets should be all-in, and if it means trading you know, a big prospect to get an elite reliever, whoever it may be, you got to go out and do it. Mets win the division, 98 wins. The Braves are in second. I say the Mets, Cardinals, Padres are division winners. Dodgers and Braves are the wild cards. I'm going to have the Yankees, Guardians, Astros, AL, Mariners, Blue Jays, wild card. And I'm going to say the New York Mets hoist the World Series trophy as they defeat the Houston Astros into the first week of November. And we have a parade down the Canyon of Heroes in New York City again for the first time in my lifetime. The Mets will do it. I'm staying positive with the Diaz news. And there's just something like I feel like Diaz, the mentality, he's going to be back in October. I feel like he's going to come back and we're going to get that trumpet October moment. Mets win the World Series. Well, we'll have a post game show after the opener. We'll be back next Monday with a special guest, the live pod, Catch Astoria, Andy Chavez, 530 p.m. on Thursday, the 6th after the game. But coming up next. On Amazing But True, we'll keep previewing the season with the new radio voice alongside Howie Rose on WCBS. That's Keith Ratt right here on Amazing But True. Boogie liked it. Can't believe they paid me 20 grand and him only five. For the record, we didn't get a penny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Brooklyn by one, the pitch. Struck him out swinging. Brooklyn, you have your title. The Brooklyn Cyclones are outright champions for the first time in history. 2019 New York Penn League champions. Welcome back to Amazing But True. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa on our season preview podcast here. And why not preview the season with 
a man who's new to a lot of you, unless you were, you know, watching MILB streams and the Brooklyn Cyclones. And if you are, you have too much free time. I'm sorry. No disrespect to him, but there's something wrong with your social life. If you're watching single A games on, on Mets off days, let's welcome the new radio voice alongside Howie Rose for the New York Mets on W, as they taught us to say at WRHU. It's WCBS, Keith. Rad, welcome Keith to the show. Welcome to Amazing But True, your first time on. How you doing, man? Good. That's right. It is WCBS, which I found out uh, very quickly in my own tenure as well. Because MILB.TV, not enough people are, are watching to to really dive in and make sure you say the MILB correctly. But W we get right every time. Dublave, CBS uh, in another language. Well, welcome to the show. Let's since you're new. Let's start off with ASL. Like it's your screen name days. Uh, let's get you. Do you know ASL? Are you? How, you know, I guess we'll find out when we get to the uh, to the A of ASL. Do you know what ASL is or no? I don't. Wow, Keith. I'm- ASL is age, sex, location. Like in uh, the screen name, the strat chat days. And hey, I'm 29. Um, wow, I am he's a- younger than me, Figgy. He's younger than me. This guy is. 29, three years off. That is impressive. All right. S, I already answer. Younger and better looking. Good gosh. Yeah. Younger, better (laughs) looking, more hair. Uh, So S, he he is him. So we know that. Location, where are you from? Uh, I am from Valley Stream, New York, on Long Island, South Shore, born and raised. Uh, Currently live, though, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan with my wife. There you go. All right. Uh, Are you, you're a lifelong Mets fan? I'm not. I grew up a Yankees fan. It's hard to do when there's pinstripes in the house and your uncle had a try with the Yankees and all your best friends love the Yankees. And But I did go to, I think my first four or five big league games were Mets games. Uh, and I've been at the, the Robin Ventura Grand Slam single game. I was at that game. Uh, I was at a lot of those games when they played the Giants and the Braves uh, at Chase Stadium. I remember being so small, looking through legs and bodies to try to see Barry Bonds at the plate. So I was down the left field line. Uh, but it took until getting into the minor leagues where you fall in love with whatever team you're working for, working your way through. So I fell in love with the Cincinnati Reds organization, the Texas Rangers coming up when I was with the Long Island Ducks and Indy ball, I would fall in love with them as well. And then when I came to the Brooklyn Cyclones, having uh, known about that organization and of course the New York Mets, you become, it becomes a family. You see see behind the curtain when you have jobs like this. And uh, it didn't take long to fall in love and call the Mets my family from 2018 on. So to be honest, it's New York. I can't lie. I grew up a Yankees fan, but now it's all Mets all the way. Take us through the journey, like from from start to here, from uh, from college to 29. I want to hear you go through the pit stops and how you got here. Yeah, you mentioned uh, MILB.TV. Well, it all started uh, my sophomore sophomore summer in college. I interned with the Dayton Dragons. I was at the University of Dayton, not in Ohio. Uh, and I remember just getting an internship, getting in there. And I worked that entire year. And my my dad was so upset. He's like, you know, I have to pay for this college credit of yours and they're not even paying you anything. So why don't I just give you the money and you come home instead of me spending all this money for you to live in a, in a house and, and eat and all that stuff. Uh, but that turned into a, a year of minor league baseball in college, summer ball in 2014, in the Hamptons League out on Long Island. And then when I graduated, that was the first, okay, let's hit the ground running. I went back to the Dragons, which is Cincinnati's um, low A at the time. And uh, I did that in 15. I went to the Long Island Ducks in 2016, learned about indie ball and what that life is like. Very interesting lifestyle versus affiliated. Uh, And then in 2017, I went down to double A Frisco at the Texas Rangers organization. And that was where my first taste of upper level minor leagues came from. 
and working in a major market uh, because Frisco was right outside of Dallas with Texas. And then from there, I kind of saw the writing on the wall of how I wanted to, to do this and go about it. And the Texas experience was big. I always wanted to come back to New York and work in New York. And even though I took a quote unquote demotion going from double A ball to short season, single A baseball playing you know, half the year that uh, normal minor leagues are, I felt like getting back to New York was a good way to get where I wanted to go. And I did that for two years. And then luckily uh, it, everything realigned and Brooklyn became full season. So some of the players that we got were, you know, bona fide studs in the making, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, some of these guys uh, recently that Mets fans know about. And from that, that kind of raised the level and my tape was good enough over all those nine, 10 years of doing it that Odyssey said, come on down. So Figgy, maybe people were watching his uh, his streams because it was Beatty and Vientos and guys we were talking about on this show who didn't make the team. That's exactly what you hope for. You need to have the superstars in the making to help make you right. I, I I love the the journey and you know being a guy who was a career minor leaguer, you finally get the call. And what was that like that day that you received that phone call? Yeah, it's funny that you talk about that. I mean, it, it's kind of the same experience as those players. I mean, you're in it a little bit longer. The journey sometimes is even harder for minor leaguers. It's impossible for umpires, just these little things you pick up. But for a broadcaster to get the call uh, in his own market, working for that team you know, that you're you're currently with at 29, I mean, I was standing outside the media entrance at uh, Maimonides Park now, looking up at the parachute jump. Sounds so cliche, but there was no cell service in my office, so I had to step outside. And uh, and Chris Olivero called me and and said, "Hey, I want to be the first to welcome you to the show. Um, congratulations! You know you're you're going to the to the major leagues." And it it was speech speechless. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I'm I'm thinking about all those moments of places I've been and those nights where no one's listening. And I'm you know I struggle. I blow a call or I didn't nail what I wanted to do. And now here we are after all that hard work. Uh, and the first call after that, I have to say, was to my wife Kate, who uh, we met at Dayton. I know you're not supposed to meet freshman year, the woman you end up marrying, but that's the way it happens. And she's been with me all those, every step of the way at every single one of those levels in the minor leagues. We had long distance for uh, a ton of those experiences. So I called her, she did the crying uh, and and I've saved my tears for a, a little bit later when it finally hit me. Uh, but that was just a really sweet moment for myself, my wife and called my family after that. Cause uh, as you guys know, especially you figure coming up, I mean, they, you never know. You call them and they you say, hey, man, I, it didn't work out of this organization. I got to go out to Oregon or Nashville, find the next job. And uh, this was the best call I could have ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you. Emotional. It, but but that that's the truth of it all is that, you know, you you watch on TV, the superstars and, you know, you don't realize how long it actually takes certain people. And even in broadcasting, you, you know, it, it's even rarer the opportunity because you're one you're one of one it's it's not like there's you know 30 guys there's not a bullpen worth of guys you're not a reliever you're the guy and you get to jump right in with the great howie rose who we love here on our show and and that right there is a little bit daunting because i know when i jumped in and they're like hey you're gonna be alongside gary keith and ron and i'm like oh you know that's the best in baseball by by far there's no other booth like that so you're joining the best of the best when it comes to howie rose his calls are historic. And so I, I got to imagine after that realization that I'm in the big leagues, it's like, now I got to be able to keep up with this guy. So that is a little daunting in that task itself. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, uh, oh, bleep, this is real. Let's, we, we've got to figure this out now, you know, <laughs> fake it till you make it. But yeah, I mean, Howie, the relationship with Howie was uh, part of the process. It's actually the first part of the process to make sure that that 
that chemistry works because it is a professional marriage, so to speak. I mean, you guys look like you're doing great together, but you had to make sure that it worked between Jake and, and Nelson and um, how we had to make sure that it would, it would work the vibe between us because it's a long season. It's a lot of three hour. You're hanging out every night for three hours telling the same story and doing it in two different ways. So, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a legend and uh, he, he knows it, but he tells me all the time to, you know, don't, don't treat me like it. We're, we're, we're coworkers now. Let's uh, we're equals. And that's, that's really comforting because it is easy to, to go in there all starry eyed and go, Oh my gosh, uh, this guy's called every single memory that has lasted since I've been born in 1993, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, here I am. Sitting next. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, me and Figgy have, have gone through divorces. You know, we've had a couple of prenups. Uh, we've had fights, but uh, we're still here on season four of the Amazing But True podcast, growing sick of each other like a, like a married couple would uh, sometimes. But we do get along well. And I think we're both we're both off the air. We're, we're clowns kind of like we're the circus. And I think that's what make it makes it work. And when we got to be serious, we got to be serious. And we take the New York Mets very serious, Keith, in the year 2023, where Darren Ruff is sent packing. You're not. You're in. Ruff's out. Ruff DFA. Keith Rad signed. That's the kind of trade uh, we asked for. Did you ever have a moment where you wanted to quit? Now, you're 29, so you don't have to wait as long as others. You know, I went to WRHU. I called a few Long Island Ducks games where Figgy will coach, you know, call some games. But I didn't go to the route of going to Montana. A lot of my, you know, friends at the radio station went to Montana, Kentucky, Greensboro to make, you know, ramen noodle money. I mean, you know, the money is terrible. You were making, you know, EBT food stamp money to call games, do what you love, but you know, have an empty stomach some some nights or or just go ham on McDonald's or the dollar menu because that was probably a thing back then. So, there was those days where you're like, what the hell am I doing? And it's your passion, though. I get it. You know, I worked in the digital side at Odyssey with CBS radio at the time, making 40, 45 grand. But I wanted to be in sports. So I did it. Did you have that time where you're, you're paying five grand? I don't make 45 grand. Well, after after taxes at New York, that's not that's like 25. Come on, Jake. That's, that's a lot of money. Like, that's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, seriously. Well, I would kill for that. <laughs> Listen, kill for I have that. a lavish lifestyle. It's not it's, it's, not, it's not that much for my lifestyle. <laughs> Yeah, there were many times because you have to be a little bit, a uh, little bit pots, a little crazy to do this, you know, because it is so high risk, high reward that if you do make it all the way, it's like, okay, great. Like, this is what I had in mind. But there's so many people on the way that fall off the wagon and don't make it all the way. And so you see them and people leave baseball and, hey, I'm making money. I see my family. This is great. I'm actually having a great time. And you think, wow, maybe I should, I should hang it up because. Uh, there were a couple moments, uh, some of the jobs that I took out of, out of, uh, in the minor leagues, I mean, double a for the Rangers, the Frisco rough riders, I was the, uh, the broadcast assistant. So I was working alongside the main, the main person I moved down there. I was making seven twenty five a month, a month taxed. So I was bringing home six something and I was living with a host family. I had to pay them 300 something. So what are you left with? Uh, and it's a lot of, there's a, the things in there that people don't realize is, if you really do believe in yourself, you'll do it. You'll figure it out. But I mean, I was living with credit card debt that I couldn't get out of for years until I thought, well, I better make it now because it keeps climbing because I keep moving and paying for food and the money's not coming in. Uh, and there was another instance where I really, I'm not going to name the team, but uh, the end of the year came, we had maybe a week left before the end of the, the assistantship or internship. And they handed me and a bunch of other interns a kind of like a pick 
And I said, okay, before you go for the end of the season, just go around to all the railings on the concourse. Just pick the caulk out if you don't mind. We're just going to have everything recaulked. And it's just like, this is what you have me doing on the last day. You've paid me nothing. And this is how I'm going to end end my tenure with this team. And it's just, that's just, you just kind of bite your tongue and move along. And that was a moment where I was like, maybe maybe I don't need to do this if this is what it's going to be like. Because I was going to sit into it to about 40 years old, just really hang on there till about 40, try to make the show. The fact that it's 29, I mean, it's, I can't believe that. But there were a couple moments in there, Jake, where it's just like, this is hard. This is really hard. If you're in this industry and don't have five figure credit card debt, then you either have a rich family or you're stripping on the side. I mean, it's one of the two. You're either you either got a side gig where you're making. I don't know if you ever thought about stripping in Frisco, uh, Keith. If you wanted to jo- be a male gigolo, uh, you're what's that movie? European gigolo, whatever. Rob Schneider, whatever it's called. Deuce, Deuce, Deuce Bigelow. Bigelow. Deuce Bigelow, <laughs> European gigolo. Deuce Bigelow, Frisco gigolo. Keith Rad, the the sequel. I didn't know if you ever thought about that or had to work at like Dick Sporting Goods for $9 an hour or whatever it was. But, you know, you had to pick up side gigs or you got to have a great support system. Sounds like, you know, you have a great wife. You you know, that's that's a special bond. The support system is also essentially get you through it mentally, financially, physically and just get you power you through. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I I really tried my, when I was 14. My mother drove me to get my working papers, which was just kind of the, what the the work ethic that I was instilled with very quickly. I think legally that is the youngest you can be to get a job. So happy birthday. Blow out the candles. Let's drive down to the, the village hall. Let's get you working. So I always had that instilled in me. And, you know, my dad, every Friday in high school, hey, here's 20 bucks, go out. But by the time I started working at the pool or delivering pizzas, I just I wanted to avoid. I want to try to do whatever I do myself. And Certainly, my my parents saved a ton for college. That was extremely helpful. But when I got to the minor leagues, I I didn't want any as anything. I wanted to really try to do this myself because it's not fair to ask people to my parents, "Hey, can you spot me for this or that?" They would help from time to time, uh, no doubt. But yeah, there were some crazy jobs in there. I used to ref a ton of hockey games at six a.m. on a Saturday and on a Sunday, making twenty nine bucks. Try to work a back to back, eight u, ten u, mom and dad are screaming at you from behind the glass it's like the kids are eight why are you yelling at me uh and those kind of things uh, i worked at the deli uh deli counter at Christidis during covid uh when there was no baseball going on slicing up you know sandwiches and cold cuts for rich old ladies on the upper east side coming down for uh you know their their oven gold turkey for the week all that stuff though makes it makes it sweeter do you have a favorite call that you've made thus far in your career? You know, that most memorable one that you, you feel like if you had a chance to put it on your reel over and over again, or you actually listen to it, you know, like I watch some of my old highlights every now and then I have to prove to people like I actually played baseball. You know, I get those kids, I get the parents who are like, man, I watched you growing up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa slow down. Okay. So is there that, is there that one call that you remember very, very fondly? It, I, I have one, but but before you before I jump into that, it's funny. We had uh, Andy Chavez was our bench coach in uh, nineteen in Brooklyn, and Andy would sometimes pull out the iPad and he'd pull up some Andy Chavez highlights because some of the guys didn't quite know what Andy was all about. And I remember walking into the the coach's office one day, probably dropping off rosters or something, and Andy turns the the, the iPad to me and he pulls one down the line, and I go nice double, and he turns and shoots me a look double triple and he yelled at me because i didn't think he had the speed to get all the way to third uh so i i I appreciate that uh but the the call that sticks out to me was when just big for the community obviously it's not this biggest call ever in the world but uh when the cyclones won the 2019 new york Penn league championship uh my call was brooklyn you have your title 
I said it with a little more fervor than that. Oh, it's, I remember uh, it. Early morning, early morning time. But Brooklyn, you have your title. Yeah, that was a moment where, you know, being the, the broadcaster for the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Brooklyn baseball has so much history with Ernie Harwell and Vince Scully and Red Barber and all these people. Warner Fusell called our games. He was a, a legend in the radio business for a long time. Uh, and the Cyclones had never won a, a championship. 1955 was the last Dodgers World Series. And in the year 2001, Brooklyn's first year, the Cyclones played in the championship series with Williamsport. But 9-11 happened and it canceled the rest of the season. So they were co-champs. So fast forward 18 years after that, 2019, playing against the Lowell Spinners, which is the Red Sox affiliate. Uh, and in the minor leagues during playoffs, figure you might know this, there's just not a lot of people that come to the games because they don't. The, the community doesn't know that there's playoffs going on. They just want to come for the bobblehead nights and the fireworks nights. And now you add on extra games at the end of the season. Nobody's ready for that. So uh, you get about 2,000 people if you're lucky. But the thing is that those 2,000 people are the diehard, the crazies that love the Brooklyn Cyclones. And as the game was unfolding, I looked down and I could see all these people and a lot of empty seats, but a lot of people into it. And I thought, man, these people are here. They've been here for 20 years. They want to see a championship. This is this is for them. So when I made that call, the last strikeout, Brooklyn, you have your title. That was just a little thing that I, I picked up from them. But the cool part was the next day, the Mets were kind enough to bring us out to City Field. And they had the team on the field for BP and they took us up to a suite and guys were eating sushi and shrimp cocktail, loving life, uh, living it up. And they played the highlights uh, of the call on the scoreboard at City Field. And I heard my voice in the stadium for the first time ever at Big League Stadium. I got goosebumps. Holy <laughs> Maybe this would be cool one day if it happened. And it did. So, yeah, Brooklyn, you have your title. It's definitely the one that stands out. Looking forward to hearing you guys, WCBS. You know, before we let you go, what, what do you think of the Mets? You know, is World Series, am I, am I in a psychiatric home saying they're going to win the World Series? Now that Diaz is gone, what do you think of this team? You like what you see so far, and what's your prediction? Yeah, I mean, it's not blowing smoke. I mean, look at the World Series odds. They're top five, I think. They're right there with uh, the Padres as uh, some of the best odds to win it all. Verlander and Scherzer have shown me that they are just crazy enough in a good way to just run the table kind of thing. Like they, they don't, they don't suffer any fools. They would like to see, they're not here for no reason, especially Verlander, uh, no wasted time. So those guys set in the tone. Buck is being around him way more brilliant than I, you know, than I thought naively. Uh, he schools everybody every day uh, and just being around that. Uh, I think the Mets will be fine. I think the offense last year fit, fit most runs in baseball, even though they weren't the sexy runs, all the home runs, they were about middle of the road. They get a couple more home runs this year. I think they'll be in, in fine shape. Diaz sucks. Um, that loss sucks, but uh, they'll they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. We uh, we appreciate you coming on Amazing But True for the first time. We'll do it again. Keith Rad on Twitter. That's two A's. Catch him on WCBS. Keith, good luck this year, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Queens. We'll be covering games. I'm there 60 times a year, so I'll see you at the ballpark. Thanks, fellas. This is great. Good to talk to you. I used to love referee basketball. That's what I would have done. Uh, I enjoyed that interview with Keith Radfiggy. His journey is, you know, it's inspirational. It's very rare I feel old on this podcast because all our guests are older. You know, you're the you're the grandpa in the room, but now I'm grandpa. I mean, I'm going to be an uncle in August. My my brother is having a, a, a boy, but like, damn, now I'm grandpa. Anyways, I don't want to get on a grandpa soliloquy here. That's his good night to episode 131 of Amazing But True, our best podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Grandpa Jake and Andrew Hartz for producing the show as always. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch all of our episodes. 
Give us a thumbs up below on YouTube and comment on, on your predictions for the Mets season. Follow us on Twitter at AmazingButTrue, at FiggyNY, and at JakeBrownRadio. Uncle Jake. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says Uncle Jake. And it's just me in a picture holding the holding the baby, you know, rocking the carriage. Figgy. Uh, rocking the carriage. Rocking the, rocking, rocking the uh, boat. How rocking. old are you, Grandpa? Rocking the carriage? When I was a boy, Butch Husky was on the New York match in 1996. Gary Cole was still on the radio. What was it, Howie Rose? Howie Rose was with Fran Healy on Fox Sports New York. Yeah, he, Keith, Keith was was full. Keith couldn't speak when Howie Rose was doing TV <laughs> with Fran Healy. I was Ian Pastrami. Anyways, speaking of Ian Pastrami, what a transition. My God, I mean, the food at City feels better than anywhere else in baseball. My stomach was hurting the following day. Like, I think that's what got me sick, honestly was all the food from Thursday because now I've been under the weather a little congested. Figgy, what a what a spread. Nothing tops, and I tweeted it, and people were asking, what is that? The Jacob's Pickles fried chicken sandwich surrounded with donuts and, like, a barbecue, although it didn't look like barbecue sauce. I guess it was called barbecue sauce. It, I guess it was just a different color. Barbecue on there, on that sandwich around donuts. Yeah, don't judge it by its color. Instabitis, instadiabitis, the fried Oreos, you know, the different flair. They had the Pig Beach barbecue, a lot of big upgrades to City Field. It is going to be an experience going to the ballpark. You know, come with an empty stomach, leave with an empty wa- wallet and a full stomach, right? And there you go. That's a, that's what the Mets are hoping for. And I think with the um, pitch clock, it's not going to help matters. But hurry up, get in line and enjoy the food because you might be already in the fifth inning. Yeah, I mean, eat it quick. You know, get it done quick. <laughs> also, the Tillamore do the whiskey. Like, it'll sneak up on you. Be careful. The coffee whiskey. Cold yeah. brew with whiskey. So it'll wake you up and get you drunk at the same time. And hopefully the Mets offense does the same. But we hope the Mets will get you drunk. The Tillamore do. That'll get you drunk. That was good. But it is just going to be a fun year at the ballpark. The speakeasy, good luck if you get in. You know, it's going to be tough to get in. Expensive. But go around the ballpark, try everything. We had a blast at the New Ed City event. And Mets are doing cool things. Discounts for season ticket members on food. The uh, City Field, the student discount they'll do for tickets for games. So Mets doing a lot of cool things. And we'll talk more about that as we get you ready for the home opener next week. For Nelson Figueroa, for Keith Rad, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back Thursday. I'll do a short episode after the Mets' first game of the season. The season is here at Mets Marlins Thursday, 4 o'clock. Cannot wait. We'll drop that for Friday morning. And then we'll be back with a normal episode next Monday. And then again, Thursday, catch Astoria after the home opener with Andy Shockers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy this season opener, Figgy. And as always, let's, let's go, go Mets. Mets. I love you, too. <laughs> That's four words. New York Mets hoist the World Series trophy.